Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here today. I got a new toy. I think it works. Ah, it works. Anyway, uh, so hopefully we'll... Some buddies of mine told me that uh, the kind of uh, remote we were using was kind of dated and these work a lot better and so I'm counting on it today. The title of the message today is, Are You Really Listening? From Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 34. Are you really listening? Beginning in, uh, in uh, verse 17. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to chief priests and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to, over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she had asked him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard of it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Heard a story about a pastor who went to visit a very sick man in the hospital. As the pastor stood by his bedside, the sick man was obviously trying to communicate something to his pastor. Finally, he was given a writing pad... And he wrote a note, and he handed it to his pastor. And then suddenly, he passed away. The pastor was astounded that the man was so concerned about communicating some final message that he, with all his strength, wrote a note to him right before he died. The pastor then looked at the note to see what important message the man had entrusted with him at the end of his life. The note read, Pastor, you are standing on my oxygen tube and I can't breathe. 
Well, sometimes we can be in the presence of a person, but miss out on what they are saying to us. We think we're hearing them, but there are other things on our mind, and we are not really listening. There are times when Carla would stop in the middle of a conversation we're having and say, you're not listening, are you? And I would say, of course I'm listening. Then she throws down the hammer. Then tell me what I said. I really hate it when she does that, but anyway. But she knows. She knows that just because I'm saying yes and uh uh-huh and and sure, she knows that I'm not tuned into her. Uh, Listening's more than hearing. Listening is not thinking about your reply when someone else is talking. According to the Oxford Living Dictionary, to listen is to give attention to sound or action. When listening, one is hearing what others are saying and trying to understand what it means. Listening is tuning in and seeking to really understand and grasp what someone is saying to you. In our day, we truly need people to learn to listen to each other, don't we? In Matthew 20 and 21, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what it means to faithfully follow him. It's not about us and what's in it for us individually, but about his grace being poured out on us and all who receive him and joining him in the mission of taking his message of reconciliation to the world. But in spite of all he said about the first being last and the last being first and and about rewards and all of that, uh, the apostles are still focused on what's in it personally for them, what's in what will uh, grant their personal advancement and rewards. They're not really listening to what Jesus is saying. They're only hearing what they want to hear. Now that's a temptation for us too. We can read the Bible and we can hear preachers preach and we can hear the word of God taught. But sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to tune in to the difficult things the Lord might be telling us. Now from this passage of scripture, we see the timeless truth, a difficult truth that Jesus is warning all of his followers to grasp. He wants us to grasp this. Christ Jesus Well, I spoke too soon, huh? Oh, yeah, there it is. Did you have to do that? Okay, sorry about it, okay. Christ Jesus sacrifices himself willingly for us and expects his children to follow his example of serving and sacrifice. Christ Jesus sacrifices himself willingly for us and expects his children to follow his example of serving and and sacrifice. Now Jesus told the parables of the laborers in the vineyard to illustrate the last will be first and the first will be last. All who believe are called by grace to work with the master in his harvest, right? It is in many ways a non-hierarchical kind of system where we work together for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the glory of God and not for personal advancement and gain. But even though it might seem clear to us in hindsight, evidently the apostles were not getting it. So in this passage we read this morning, we see Jesus again helping his followers understand what it means for the first to be last and the last to be first. First of all, we see this. True greatness in the kingdom of God reveals itself in Christ Jesus, in us in Christ Jesus in his sacrificial death. 
True greatness in the kingdom of God reveals itself in Christ Jesus in his sacrificial death. Now Jesus is moving steadfastly toward Jerusalem and the cross. His goal is, he knows what's coming. He's moving toward the cross. <coughs> and again, here in the, in the beginning of what we read, he informs his apostles of what's coming and expands previously on what he's told them twice already. He pulls them aside and tells them they're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over into the hands of chief priests and scribes. That means somebody is going to take Jesus to them. Someone is going to betray Jesus to them. He's going to take Jesus to the Pharisees and the scribes who are we are noticing becoming more and more violently opposed to him. Then Jesus expands what he has told them before and tells them he, they are going to condemn him to die. These leaders will condemn him. The Jewish leader, leadership will condemn him. But because they have no authority to execute Jesus, they're going to deliver Jesus up to the Gentiles, to the Romans. Uh, these authorities will mock Jesus, will flog him. Uh, that's, that's with a whip, uh, with the cat and nine tails on the end. That's what flogging was. And they're going to crucify Jesus. Now, Jesus has talked about denying ourselves and taking up our cross. But now here he specifies the kind of death that he was going to die. He was going to be crucified. Not exactly a martyr's death, but a cruel and vicious and, uh, and morbid kind of death. That's what was going to happen to Jesus. Jesus, this is Jesus' first mention to the apostles of him being crucified. And then he says, clearly, he's going to be raised on the third day. Now, this is the third time he's told them it's going to happen, each time with a little bit more information. He gets more graphic and specific. He tells them of his suffering, his mocking, his crucifixion. But he also tells them that he is going to rise. So the way to greatness for Jesus himself is the path of suffering. The way to greatness for Jesus himself is the path of suffering. Now the writer of the Hebrews reminds us of this in Hebrews 2. It says in verse 10, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom through everything exists, should make the altar of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 14 in Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, in bringing us to glory, Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Now, that's hard, difficult to grasp, is because we know Jesus was perfect already. But somehow, the path to glory, even for God the Son, as he became man, was through suffering, was through sacrifice. And so if Jesus had to go through suffering and sacrifice, if we want to truly live and serve him and be considered great, we will also have to sacrifice and suffer for his sake. Now Jesus Jesus personified this. He showed us, he gave us an example. He suffered in our place so our sins can be forgiven. <clears throat> now we don't suffer for sins to be forgiven, but we suffer because we name the name of Jesus. Uh, we'll be called unto sacrifice and sometimes suffer because we name the name of Jesus. He has set an example for us. It's not in the crowds we gathered 
or the seemingly successes that we might seem to have. It's in following his example of sacrifice and suffering that true greatness is found in the kingdom of God. True greatness is found in the kingdom of God uh, in, in sacrifice and suffering. And Jesus himself set the example for us. He set the example for us. There's something else in this passage about last being first and the first being last. And it's this. True greatness in the kingdom of God comes not by status, but by service. True greatness in the kingdom of God comes not by status, but by service. Well, the apostles can't seem to understand suffering and sacrifice they can't seem to understand that suffering and sacrifice are the path to greatness. <coughs> Even those closest to Jesus, his inner circle of Peter and James and John, they're not grasping their truth. Now, we saw earlier when Peter confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and then Peter, then, then, he, then Jesus said, oh, I'm going to have to suffer. Peter said to him, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. And Jesus rebuked him strongly, didn't he? Peter didn't grasp that truth. But now the other of Jesus' inner circle, his inner circle, James and John, along with their mother, show that they have not been truly listening to what Jesus has been saying. Think of the timing of this request. Jesus had just said he's going to go up to Jerusalem. He's going to be delivered to the hands of sinful men. He's going to, he's going to be condemned. He's going to be delivered to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day he's going to rise again. Then, the scripture says, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The timing does, doesn't seem to very, very, uh, very good, does it? The mother of Jesus', uh, two, two of his closest followers came to him, and she showed, and they showed that they had not been listening to what Jesus said. James and John's mother had a request for her son. Now, many scholars believe this is the woman we, we, is named in the Bible as Salome. We're not 100% sure, but pretty, pretty much sure it's the woman named Salome. And many also believe that she was a sister to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this would have made James and John uh, cousins of Jesus. So if these scholars are right, she'd be taking advantage of a family relationship to seek a position of status for her sons, or what she thought was a position of status for her sons. James and John requested with their mother's full knowledge for her sons to have the thrones on, the, on Jesus' right and left when he came into his kingdom. They wanted places of status. They wanted places of prestige. Well, what did Jesus say? He said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. He says, are you able to drink the cup from that, that I am to drink? Now in the Old Testament, the cup was a symbol of suffering and oftentimes of martyrdom. And oftentimes it, it symbolized the judgment of God that was being poured out. And Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to suffer the judgment of God because of our sin in our place. And James and John said, we're able. They just said it. We are able. They thought they were able, but they really weren't able at that time to do what Jesus was going to do. They didn't understand what it meant. 
They were not able at that time to drink from that cup. At that time, now that's important because Jesus did say, you will drink from my cup. To sit at my right hand and left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those whom has been prepared for my Father. Yes, you will someday suffer for me, Jesus said. Well, we know from the rest of Scripture, John uh, John was exiled in his old age to the Isle of Patmos. That's where he wrote the Revelation. We also know from the book of Acts that James was the first of the apostles to be killed, to be martyred for his faith. So yes, they did drink of the cup that Jesus, uh, uh, the cup of suffering that Jesus told them they would drink. <clears throat> and so they, they, they did do this. But Jesus said to give places at the right or my left is not mine to give. It's reserved for those who my father uh, has prepared. And so basically he said no to their prayer, to their request. They wanted status in the kingdom above their fellow apostles without sacrificing, without truly knowing any suffering up, up at that time. Well, when the other ten apostles heard about it, they were indignant. They were burning mad. They were burning mad. Maybe they felt like James and John had taken advantage of a kinship, of a family connection that they had to Jesus. So Jesus called them together to explain something that they all needed to understand. The kingdom does not operate like human governments and organizations. Men and women are great in this world by exercising authority, by bossing people around, by telling them what to do, by having others wait on them. But Jesus said in his kingdom, if you want to be great, and there's nothing wrong with the ambition to be great in the kingdom of God, but you aren't great because you order people around. Greatness comes by serving others. Greatness comes, Jesus says, by being the slave of all, the servant of all. Dick France wrote this. Self-importance, the desire to be noticed and respected, the ambition to make one's mark and to impose one's will on others, this is the value square scale of the rat race, not of the kingdom of Christ. You see, greatness in God's kingdom is found not in ordering others about, but in serving them, even in the most menial of tasks. Jesus himself set the example for us by dying on the cross for us, but he also showed us before when he, when he became the lowest of the slaves and washed all the apostles' feet on the night he was betrayed. Jesus points to himself and he says, The Son of Man, he did not come in the world to be served. He didn't come to be waited on, but Jesus came to wait on others. And that's what the word means. The word means minister. The word that we translate, uh, it, it has the idea of being a table servant, of, uh, of, of serving others. In fact, our word deacon comes from that. And it doesn't have the idea of having a position of prestige or power, but it means serving others. That's exactly what the word means. So Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And then Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. 
The word ransom in the Greek language, in the original language of the Bible, was a common word for the pay, for paying for the freedom of a slave. You paid for the freedom of a slave with the it's the word litron, L-Y-T-R-O-N. And it and it has the idea of paying for a freedom of a slave. Buying is freedom. And the preposition used auntie, auntie means for or in the place of. And it has the idea of Jesus buying the freedom of others by paying for our freedom with his life. It implies an exchange, a substitution. The Tyndale commentary says it like this. The phrase, to give his life as a ransom for many, is one of the clearest statements in the New Testament of the saving effect of Jesus' death. Litron, ransom, and the preposition ante, for, literally, instead of, point clearly to the idea of his taking our place as the payment of an equivalent sum of money processes the release of the captive. You see, Jesus had told them he was going to die by crucifixion. But now he tells them that his life would be a ransom for many. Who are the many? The many are all those who would believe in him. Who, who would be ransomed for God by believing in the death of Jesus on the cross. That he was dying in our place. It was the ransom paid for us. He died in our place so that we would not have to suffer the penalty for our sin. His crucifixion accomplishes the redemption for those who will believe. You see, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Jesus' kingdom, greatness is not visibility. Greatness is not status. Greatness is not accomplishment. Greatness is serving and giving of yourself for Jesus and for others. This is an upside view of greatness, but it's God's view of greatness. It's, this is an example Jesus set for us. True greatness in the kingdom comes not by status, but by service. But by service. Well, there's one more truth I want to point out this morning about the last being first and the first being last. And that truth is this. True greatness in the kingdom of God serves those others count as the least of society. True greatness in the kingdom of God serves as, as, as in the kingdom of God serves those others count as the least of society. Now Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem. Remember, his eyes were fixed. In fact, Luke said he, his uh, his face was like a rock, steadfast. That's the term Luke uses in Luke nine. He was going there. He knew what was going to happen. Large crowds were following him. Jesus was on the most important mission of his life to give his life as a ransom for many. But on the way to Jerusalem after leaving Jericho, and this is kind of the first time that Matthew's ever mentioned a place because he wants us to understand how close Jesus is. Jerusalem was uh, very close to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho, the, the crowd was following him. There were two blind men sitting by the side of the road. And these blind men knew something different was happening this day. And then they heard that Jesus was passing by. These two blind men knew that this was their opportunity. They'd heard what Jesus had done for others. And this was their time. This was their moment. This was their opportunity. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. 
See, what the leaders wouldn't confess, they were confessing Jesus as the son of David, as the Messiah. Uh, They said, have mercy on us. Well, the crowd that surrounded Jesus said, be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you two blind guys. It's basically what they were saying. They said, be quiet. But these these two blind men were not going to miss this only once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, that they had for something be done about their blindness. And so they cried out again, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Well, what happened? Did Jesus pass them by? Jesus was on the most important mission of his life. He was heading to Jerusalem. It was why he came to earth. Did he pass them by? Because his mission was so important. Do you ever pass by someone who asks you for help because you're in a hurry, you have other things to do? I got to admit, I do that. I do that. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? Even though Jesus was on the most important mission of his life, people were not overlooked. People who cried out to him were not overlooked. You know, it's easy to live uh, and to pass by the homeless and the needy. And you could, we, I have to admit, I feel powerless. How do you really help somebody? And I'm not sure. That's maybe that's why I pass them by because I don't know exactly how to help them. But I'm. I just wonder, does God put these people in my life so that somehow I can connect with them? Maybe, maybe I don't know what to do, but maybe I can say, Hi, how you doing? Ask them their name. Ask them their name. Maybe ask them their story. Some, some way just to connect with them. I don't know what to do, but I think we, uh, we, uh, we need to ask God when, when we're going through our life, Lord, when something like this happens, what do you want me to do? How, how do I be Jesus to those people that need to know what you're all about? Maybe it's not the homeless or the needy. Maybe it's a fellow worker or a neighbor who's going through a hard time needing someone to notice, and they're, they're passing quickly through your day, but somehow there's some kind of cry for help. Something they say, you know, if we're listening, would say to them, I need help, I need someone to, to, to care for me. Even though Jesus was on the mission to give his life as a ransom for many, he didn't pass them by. He did not pass them by. Jesus came to serve and not be served. And so he stopped and he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, open our eyes. The scripture says Jesus was moved in pity. And that word has the idea of compassion. The kind of compassion that comes from deep within. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved in his guts. We could translate that. He cared about these men who cried out to him. And maybe that's sometimes why we don't help like we should. Maybe we just don't care like we should. God help us to care. From Jesus' very inner being, his compassion comes out. He touches their eyes and immediately they could see. 
And these two poor beggars, formerly blind, followed him. They followed him. And I think they followed him as Jesus went into Jerusalem. I think they followed him as Jesus Jesus was praised by the crowd who, uh, who as he entered Jerusalem and on the donkey, said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think they saw the things that he did during the week and the, and the cross that he went to on that, uh, on that day five or six days later. You see, Jesus was on a mission, but he still took time to serve two blind beggars and heal them. You see, that's what a servant does. And that's what we should do. True greatness in the kingdom serves those others count as the least of society. I want to ask you, and I'm asking myself this question. Are we listening to Jesus as he tells us that the last would be first and the first would be last? Are we listening to Jesus as he tells us that greatness in the kingdom does not involve prominence or power or visibility, but serving even the least of these? True greatness in the kingdom of God reveals itself in what Jesus did for us by his sacrificial death. True greatness in the kingdom comes not by status, but by service. True greatness in the kingdom of God serves those others those whose others count as the least of society. We don't want to miss it. I don't want to be like James and John and Peter and their apostles and, and James and John's mother. I don't, want to, I don't want to miss what Jesus is saying. The first will be last and the last will be first. Christ Jesus sacrifices himself willingly for us and expects his children to follow his example of serving and sacrifice. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you didn't come to be served, but you came to serve. Jesus, you came to serve. You came to give your life as a ransom for many. Lord, it's so easy for us to want to be prominent. It's so easy for us to want to be seen as successful. In the eyes of the world, Lord, maybe in the eyes of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to know that the way to greatness is the way of service. It's the way of loving others who maybe nobody else loves. It's the way of serving others who have a need and cry out to us. It's, It's the way of, Lord, sacrifice and at times suffering. Lord, help us to learn this lesson. Help us to understand it. That we might seek, Lord, yes, help us to seek to be great in your kingdom. But help us to seek to be great by serving others and not expecting them to serve us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.